This is Brian Croft. Welcome to another edition of Trench Talk, the podcast of Practical Shepherding, and I am joined once again with Jim Sebastio. Hi, Jim. Hi, Brian. Good to see you again. Thanks, brother. We're going to attack, jump into this topic in a minute. I want to encourage you, though, to go to our new, newly built website, practicalshepherding.com. Uh, really excited about it, and things just look so much better or so much more organized. And uh, we'd also love to hear from you. So go to the contact page and write us if you want us even to tackle a topic on the podcast. We would be glad to, to look into that if you uh, send a suggestion our way or any way we can help you just as a ministry. Uh, we want to dive into a topic that is something a lot of pastors have to deal with, especially when they go into maybe a, 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 a church that's a revitalization situation or a church that's struggling. And that is when a pastor takes his wife and his kids to a church where they're the only kids. And I think the thing we could even add to that is their wife is the only their, their wife is the only woman that they're eight that age in the church. Mm-hmm. So you go into a church that's that's older and possibly in decline and struggling and maybe even dying. That you go into church. I went into a church where the average age was eighty years old, and so I I took my my wife of you know who was who were in her late twenties uh, to this church with a bunch of little kids, and my my wife was the only one. Uh, other than a couple that came with us who was remotely that age, and were the only kids in our, in, my kids were the only kids in the church. So, Jim, this is what we want to talk about. This is something a lot of pastors struggle through and how to think through this. But what kind of guidelines does the New Testament give us in regard to just thinking through this? Uh, Brian, I think you're going to have like an, an either or kind of a thing or both sides to look at with this. I think on the one hand, we need to. We need to recognize that though we as men may have this idea that I'm going to go in and I'm going to sacrifice for the kingdom and it's all about self-denial and getting on the getting on the cross and dying to yourself and doing good, that you do have a, uh, a responsibility to your wife to dwell with her in an understanding way. Uh, and to our children, and a part of you know dealing with children is to, to rear them in such a way that doesn't provoke them to wrath. Yep. And, and and I think a part of that is being compassionate and understanding, and, and recognizing okay, on the grand scheme of things, this may not be the biggest deal in the in the world that for a few hours a week, while we're at church, there's nobody else your age. That this does have an impact and and an effect upon them, or at least that that's a potential and the potential that it has for them to not want to go to church, to be disheartened in the church and for your wife to potentially uh, deal with some of these. And that can bring about some real conflict in the marriage, which is then going to deal with, and, and a lot of men have left ministry simply as yep. a result of this. It's, That's right. It's, it's not that they're discouraged in the pulpit. It's not that they don't love the people. And it's not that they're not willing to serve them. It's that they haven't figured out a way uh, to lovingly shepherd and provide for their wife and for their children some means of legitimate human interaction that's beneficial and, and helpful to them. So Yeah, and you add to that, a lot of times these situations— there's hostility that comes with it. It's not just that there's nobody their age there, or our wife doesn't have a peer in the church. But but that was the situation that I found myself in. Not only my wife being the only one that age, my children being the only children, little kids in the church. But as many you know, my story, I, I walked in and dealt with a lot of hostility for the first several years. Yeah. Fortunately, 
you know, my my wife is 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 was pretty tenacious to just walk through that with me. But thankfully, my kids were young enough for the most part in those early years that they don't they don't remember a lot of those kind of conflicts and things. Mm. It's a whole other deal. Matter of fact, I have a friend of mine who went to pastor a revitalization just a few months ago, and he's got five kids, and his oldest is twelve, and and it just goes down from there. That's a totally different situation to take a, a, a almost teenager into a you know, into a church situation like that. And we actually had really good conversations about, okay, how do I care for my kids in the midst of this? And so that's kind of what, that's really what we want to put out there for the, for pastors listening to this, knowing that many of them have children that are struggling in their church, whether it's because they don't have other kids, whether there's trouble in the church and they sense that in the way mm. they're coming after their dad, or, or, or well, they just they just don't like the the kind of church it is, and they want, would want to go to a different church. That's a different conversation, right? Right? Yeah, because sometimes, yeah, one of this my friend's church has this, this, That's this, right. and this for young people, and our church doesn't have any of that. So, so let's. So Jim, why don't you speak first to this? As far as you, you know, obviously your kids grew up. I mean, you're, all your kids are grown now, and they're they grew up in the same church you're in right now. You've been there, you know, thirty years. So mm-hmm. what what are some of your insights as you think about what your kids went through, and and what was some of the implications for you on this with, with the loneliness that sometimes kids feel in this? Yeah, and again, my kids were at, uh, of an age that made it a little bit easier because when I actually first came to the church, we didn't have any children. My daughter, uh, my oldest daughter was born uh, four days before we constituted as mm. a church. So the first time she came to church, actually four days old, and she came to the constituting service, which mm. she remembers really well. I'm yeah, I'm sure. And baptized and everything, right? So. <laughs> no, that was my Presbyterian <laughs> friend. That wasn't me. Um, and so at that point, there were some other younger families that were having that were having babies. So that, we had little babies. We didn't have teenagers. My yeah. fellow elder had to deal with his trying to work through this with his older daughters who were 13 and 11 or so oh, yeah. at, at that time and there was really nobody else that age and and so we he had tried to work through and it was encouraging watching him trying to work through ways in which uh, if it wasn't going to happen at our little fellowship that there was a, a, a church that wasn't too, too far away, similar convictions and whatnot, um, that that was a larger church that had a, a thriving young, young people's ministry, yeah. and he would try as often as he could to bring his children over there and develop friendships. Now, this is back, so this is 30 years ago, so this is yeah, 1990, right. 89, 1990, 91. Right. And you didn't have all the social media and Facebook and ways in which kids can communicate, texting and all of that. So none of that, none of that was around then. No cell phones, none well, of those back kinds in of that things. Day. Back in the day, Brian, <laughs> I was walking to church uphill to ch- in the snow both ways. Anyway, so uh, it was so it was a different world and different environment. Uh, but he he recognized, and I think wisely, two things. So one, one is that he tried to instruct them about what the church is and what the mission of the church is and why we go to church. And that while some of these things are delightful elements that can be there in a church, fellowship with people your own age, for instance, that that's not really the essence of what we're doing. And to have and trying to teach them early on that we go to church for God Mm -hmm. and that we're there to, to worship and to sing and to pray and to participate in the word and and that 
and again, how to say that in a way that doesn't sound old and dodgy, but that is delightful and life-giving. Right. That, to remember what we're doing, that that daddy's involved in a work right now, and and that some of that work requires a degree of, of shared sacrifice of, as we're going to try to hope and promote something really good. Now, and again, your hope is that the Lord will eventually begin to add families uh, into the church with kids their age and, and right. that that may change. So, you know, we got to the point, and we were very, very small early on, and we got to the point, you know, a couple of years ago, we had 100 people under the age of 18 at the church. And so that, that took on a whole different uh, vibe and environment. Sure, for, yeah. you know, so, uh, so now you began to have families that had kids were encouraged when they came, you know, that, but that wasn't the case, and it took years to get to that place. And it, and it, you got to get to the point where those initial families first come, which is, is hard. It's that's what a lot of pastors are dealing with. A lot of times, once that initial group comes, more families will come. But sometimes, when a family walks in, especially have teenagers, and they're like, "There's no other teenagers here," and that, right. and that dis- discourages it. I, I, here's my main general thought I want to share. That, that I share with just about anybody who comes to me about this question. By the way, I agree with everything you just said in that we need to teach our kids as a pastors, this is what church is. It's to be life-giving, but this is why we go to church. Mm-hmm. That's good to do. I want to add this into it, though, and this is something that I've I've come to, to have a deep conviction about, and it's been over time and, and uh, you know, struggle and other things, and that's this. If you're a pastor— and you feel this calling to go and do the Lord's work in a local church, do all you can, work extremely hard and diligently to see that your wife and your children have a good quality of life with what you do. Right. And and I, I, that can mean a lot of different things that we can talk about, but, mm-hmm. but I say this to guys all the time, and some of them look at me like, really, that's okay? I think some of them go into the ministry and they assume their wife and their kids have this, you know, just sacrifice everything right. for the you calling have to pay mentality. The price for what I want to do, and and some of the men have that mentality. Okay, great, that, and, that's and they the can convey that in a way that's cruel and that's oppressive to their kids, which exactly. makes them resentful toward God and toward the church. Exactly, that's my that's and, the point I want to make. Is yeah. that the that if you're a pastor listening to this, if you're gung ho and you know you want to do everything that that you know David Platt John Piper tell you to do and and you know and in those very bold and and moving you know yeah. appeals to do right. it the reality what i found is and I, I say that as somebody who was deeply impacted by John Piper in my 20s yeah. and and i bought into a lot of that and had to work through this that you know th- you know this is this is a good thing to live sacrificially but I can't impose that on everybody around me, and and I and I would stress that for you as a pastor, I, I sell this to a lot of young guys because so many people are just are not lasting in the ministry. If you want to have a forty year ministry, you need to figure out how to have a good quality of life for your wife and your kids while you're out doing all that ministry. Mm-hmm. And what that might mean in this is if you pastor a church, so get practical. You're pastoring a church, and your kids are the only kids in that church. Well, that's okay. Okay, if that's what the Lord's called you to, let those kids tell you that's hard. You know, right. and listen. Don't and, say, and "Oh, it's the Lord's work." No, no. Listen yeah. to them. Let them know. You know, I know this is hard. I know this is hard, and 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 I want you to know that that I'm praying that it's not going to that that other kids will come, and, and let them be able to share of their struggle and and be open. Let you be a safe place to do that. But then, 
find other ways for your kids to have interaction with other right. Christians. We we homeschooled for for several years while in the church situation when my kids were the only kids in the church. Like you you have to do things to make sure they're around other kids. That's good for them. Your wife has peers that she can right. find ways. So when I'm counseling guys who contact me about this all the time, some of the very practical things I say to them is uh, you need to go help your wife find a place for her to go find some friends. Mm-hmm. It's not going to be in your church. Help her find them somewhere else. Give her the time to go out and, and make those friends. Same with your kids. Get them involved in sports or music or whatever to be able to get in to, to meet some of those friends if they're not in, you know if they're not in a school every day where there's a lot of other kids around or something. So I just want to stress that in the midst of this conversation, if I think that is the key, and it's gonna it's gonna, the implications are going to be different for everybody, but. A good quality of life, Pastor, if you're listening to this, for your wife and your kids, work hard to provide that for them. And I have found that actually to be a big, a major difference for me, for me to continue in, in the ministry. That was something I had to kind of, a gut check I had to look at. And I think with that, because I, I do think, Brian, it is legitimate to to let them know, listen, you know, no, you know dad doesn't have the job that you know, Uncle Ernie has where he's making $200,000 a year and they can afford these trips and, yeah, they get to go to Disney and, and you don't. Right. And all of that. And 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 try to, and, and, a, and again, in a way that's helpful, hopeful, and life-giving. Yeah. And that is, that points them or tries to exhort them toward a love, even younger, you know, as young, young people, a love for the eternal, love for the Lord. Yeah. Uh, but as you're saying, but you know, not in a way that is harsh, because I mean, or even in a way that they may not yet be Christians, or you know, they may not be, you know, you you may have kids that are 12, 13, 14, 15, they're not they're not Christians, right. and so they they don't have a, a heartfelt love for the Lord, but they do have an understanding that that Dad is purposeful and intentional. And that he has recognized our frailty. So Psalm 103, uh, our Father in heaven knows we're dust, and he, and he pities us. And it's a word that means to have a sweet affection for. Yeah. He doesn't look down on us in our weakness, and, and a good father doesn't look at struggling children and just you know, smack them upside the head and say, you know, crawl up on the cross with me and die to yourself. You, you know, you stinking, you know, what brat, you know, mm. and, and you may not say it quite like that, but you can convey that kind of, uh, of an attitude toward a child. That, yeah. yeah. There's yeah, shame that, that's broad. Right, yeah. You're, you're you're feel ashamed, feel ashamed yeah. of being sad, feel ashamed yep. of feeling alone, feel ashamed that you desire. And so, you know, you mentioned brother Brian, you know, maybe activities. I think sometimes there are, depending on where you live, not everybody lives going to live in a place that's like that. True. Now Louisville has, had options and you know you you had friendships with other churches and I know there are times you looked at and said hey you know you found out this church or that church is doing something with it that that had a youth activity yeah and you'd send your kids along you know yeah. uh, and I and I think that having that sensitivity having your eyes open having your ears open uh, for that was was you know, the, your kids knew hey dad sees dad knows dad cares yeah. and I think that goes a long way. Uh, toward mitigating the, the, the some of the sadness that could come in the circumstances of being in a revitalization or a new yeah. church plant. Yeah, and I also want to point out to, to, to pastors listening to this that the, the way this is manifested in my own my own family is that um, as my older children, as they started driving and, and were in high school and looking to go to college, 
they actually approached me about uh, giving them a freedom to go and, and, and maybe be a part of some other churches. And, um, and I have to say that when they first brought that to me, that was hard for me to—I to, wrestled through that. Uh, I felt the pressure of—well, the church is expecting all of my children to be sitting in the second row listening to me preach every week. Yeah. And on top of the fact that, well, does that mean they don't love our church or they don't, they're not supporting me? I mean, I had to wrestle with all those personal things that came no, up. That's, I, I can but, imagine that being very but, hurtful. Well, what happened— is and and my wife was incredibly. My wife was able to seal through all that, yeah. and you know she was really helpful. And because it was a struggle for me at first, and she helped me come around to see. You know, what what we want is our children to follow the Lord. What right. we want is our children exactly. to, to learn how to go and find a church. And what I found, so we ended up blessing our older children to say, "Yeah, you can, you can go." And and also loved the fact that they came and asked. And especially, I remember a conversation I had with my oldest daughter, which which I look back meant a lot to me, uh, though it was a hard conversation at first. She came to me, was willing to come sit down and talk to me, and and basically asked if I would allow her to do this. And and she said, uh, you know, she said, Dad, uh, I still like to hear you preach, and um, but I've heard you preach my whole life. You're the only one I've really heard preach. Mm. And then I come, and then I hear it all week, and I thought. You know, I get sick of the sound of my own voice, so I'm sure that they do too. And so, it just, but for her to come and be honest to share mm. that with me, uh, I look back and saw that that really blessed me. And I said, you mm. know, I, and my, of course, my wife is having no hesitation. She feels the struggle in our church, even all through all these years, to where she wants them to just flourish, whatever that means. Yeah. So, we, we did that, and, and it ended up being a really good thing in that my older children, as they started going to other churches, they started not just learning about church life and thinking about that. But I started to see things I had taught them in our church that they had grasped. I didn't realize they had grasped. Mm. So if you're a pastor listening to this, I also want to put out there, you know, I know you're going to feel pressure at your church that you're supposed, you know, there's this expectation on your kids and your family and all this. But I want to speak from personal experience. Do whatever you must, whatever that is, and be wise. Whatever will help your children grow in the Lord and follow the Lord and be enthusiastic about that, set them up to do that. And I don't have any regrets as I sit here. No, it it was kind of full circle. We went to the church as our kids were little and there's nobody their age. And a few years ago, their best friends, who was one of our pastor's kids, the only other kids their age, he went to pastor and obviously he took his kids with him. So it it left this, it left my kids as high schoolers with no other kids their age in the church. Now they had those relationships with the older folks that were sweet. They had some sweet older relationships, yeah, that's an important and which is great to bring out too, it, which is important. And and I love that. Um, my uh, tomorrow, my oldest daughter and I are scheduled to go visit uh, our 90, uh, 97-year-old widow that she got really close to. She's mm-hmm. going with me to see her. So there's a sweet relationships formed there. But if the full circle was interesting, that I had to acknowledge and go. Though we've been here this long. This is still a hard place for my kids because of this. Mm. So any final thoughts, Jim, as, as pastors or maybe you're wrestling with this topic, with your, even with your own kids? Yeah, I, I, I've had a – I'm thankful. You know, our, our story has been a really a sweet one with our kids and, and, and even with our church. And, you know, three of my, three of my four kids are, are part of the church here. My oldest – or my, my youngest daughter lives in Missouri, so she's, she's out of the home. But – but you know she's pursuing the Lord and and she's a part of a church and which is really again ultimately as you said what we're we're trying to build is not 
I think we have a hard time not having it or feeling like it reflects on us, you know, and, and to have a, an idea that what we are zealous for is that you thrive and that and that you know the Lord and that you love the Lord and I and I trust you. I trust you with that. Yeah. I think that has to come at a certain age, though. I, I, I don't know that I want to see my you know an eight year old going and like, mom, dad, can I go somewhere else? You no. Know, yeah, I thing. wouldn't recommend that either. And, and you know, and, and to recognize that there there is going to be and and there are sacrifices that are made for Christ. That 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 may sound hard or harsh, but that that is part of the reality. I mean, obviously, in certain parts of the world, there's. <laughs> There's a far, far greater price being paid. But when you can, as we try to present publicly and then privately in our homes, the worthiness of the person of Christ uh, and try to make that a part of, of their life, then something that they can actually participate in. They're not, they're not being asked to lay down their life and have their heads cut off, mm-hmm. but they might be being asked right now for the sake of the kingdom to be in a difficult place uh, right. and, and, and wait upon God to make that sweeter and better. Yeah. My final thought is for pastors listening to this is just I want to remind you that your children, for you to be their dad and for you to be their pastor— is a unique challenge for them. Uh, nobody else in your church has that same is facing that same right. situation, and then they have the the burden of being pastors' kids in a local church. So right. just be mindful that your children's experience is very different than every other kid in your church, and just be sensitive to that. So uh, what you want is not that they don't struggle, but you want them to be able to come talk to you and feel like they can come talk right. to you about that. And if they do, warmly receive them right. and listen to them and, and try to They're figure out— They're not being a threat. That's right. right. Try to look past what might be a personal hurt if it catches you off guard. Right. And so, uh, Jim, would you—this is a hard topic. This is a—even a, both of us articulated challenges that come with this. Would you pray for pastors as they wrestle through this, this unique situation mm-hmm. for us? Heavenly Father, we thank you that you know us and you pity us. You know our— our weaknesses and our frailties and our hurts, and we recognize that in light of eternity and what other brethren are going through in other parts of the world, this may be a minor thing, but it does affect our wives and it does affect our children and and it affects us. And Father, we pray that we would be faithful shepherds of our wives and of our children, that we would have a such a loving relationship with them, uh, a relationship that models your own with us, where there is an open door where they can come and pour out their hearts and be heard. Uh, Father, we do pray you would guard our own hearts from feelings of, of, of feeling threatened or disrespected or or hurt uh, in such a way that would deny their ultimate good. Uh, and so aid us unto that end. Father, we, we pray as well for some that you might just send a, a season of blessing and encouragement into their churches by bringing other families with uh, children and allow those friendships uh, interfamily to, to flourish, that that might bring an added dimension of joy to our labors. We pray in Jesus' name. Amen. Amen.